everybody to fly over footy. Uh, we got another show tonight with the typical crew. We got Stuart and Matt here. Um, and a special guest. We'll get to that in a second. Stuart, how are you doing, man? I'm doing well. I am uh, enjoying a nice uh, St. Louis Samuel Adams Boston lager. Do you need to tell a story? Or you want to save it till we like play a Boston team? Uh, we'll, we can wait on that, but if... Uh, people are curious they can go google uh the st louis connection with samuel adams uh boston logger there's a fun fun local connection there it's a yeah really good story uh matt how you doing man doing well phil i'm uh not quite as mysterious as on my drink straight up uh switchgrass rye whiskey nice and local no, local spirit love it a little bit you're out do you need a refill uh yeah Okay, good. With what we have to talk about tonight, I think that's probably a good idea. <laughs> good. No refills for me. I learned the hard way that two hard drinks of drinks of hard liquor are not good for me. I started talking over everybody. Um, so one for you, none for me. I'll ask a question. You'll have to go on a, on a rampage, and I'll go get you a drink. Um, so we do have a new guest today. We were talking about how we were uh, especially working on trying to get a little more regular. And it was kind of uh, providence that Jake Bowling kind of contacted me um, at the same uh, time that I was really seeking help and running into trouble with my my time management. So Jake's here tonight. Hey. Jake, how's it going, man? Pretty good. Um, why don't you tell me about tell everybody about yourself a little about bit? About myself. Uh, well, my name's Jake B. As if if you might know who Jake B. is, that's what you might know me as Jake B on your radio on your radio. I you uh, hit him up on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, I work for iHeartRadio and I'm on air here in St. Louis on Z1077. So if you ever listen, if you like Taylor Swift and Post Malone and give a little plug, if you like pop music, I'm the guy you want about it. <laughs> I do jokes by the way in the afternoon. <laughs> also, if you show up to a lot of city events, you'll probably run into Jake. I do. Yeah. I, I like to, I'm a big soccer fan, which is why uh, I was like, I want to do it soccer podcast try to get involved and it yeah like you said it worked out great because i've been trying to do more podcasting and just get into it more and kind of figure it out and i mean i like to talk about soccer and most of my time is i usually have a soccer game on while i'm like in the studio working like doing my show like i got a champions league game on or europa league i'm a tottenham fan so they're in the europa conference league which is horrendous but well it was nice having you jake you can uh head <laughs> right out the door yeah, i'm gonna turn off my mic and i'll just it was a short lines. tenure but, but anyway. it was a good one <laughs> no i was like if, if i want to do any kind of podcasting it should probably be soccer so yeah so how do you uh not react to seeing someone score or something happen in a match while you're on air i have uh i do have a few recordings um that i've like saved or sometimes i'll like try to post them on instagram and with the caption like this is what happens when I have a soccer game out in the studio and I'm like, Z1 to 7 7, what's up? Oh my God! Like, <laughs> just out of nowhere. Sometimes I, I'll uh, keep it on the radio if it's good. If I can, like, talk through it, yeah. sometimes I just got to cut my losses and be like, that was a terrible break. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. But, that's funny. So, usually that's a soccer thing when you do that. Yeah, or, I that's mean, amazing. a lot of times you'll hear, I get to work from home, which is great. So, a lot of times you'll hear my dog, like, scratching in the background. Her collar is very jingly. And that gets in there a lot. <laughs> um, you're also into Australian rules football. Yeah. Did um, I say that correctly? Yeah. Okay. Into might be an understatement. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> I play I play Aussie rules football. Um, also, I watch it. I watch like almost every game. Or I try to watch every game, which are typically at like 4 a.m. Oh, my gosh. Um, so I'll, I like to get up on 
I always get up. There's always like a Friday morning game at 4 a.m. because that's like 7 p.m. Uh, Aussie time. So I always try to get up Friday mornings to watch those games. And then once the season ends uh, and then like Premier League starts, like the waking up for the 6 a.m. game on Friday and Saturday is like sleeping in. It's, it's great. It's easy. That's funny. <laughs> I love that. So um, I, I watch a lot of sailing videos right now because I'm kind of obsessed with, with sailing. That's something that I want to do someday. But they're all Australians that I watch, half of them at least. And one guy says he's always talking about footy and footy stadiums, but he talks about using his hands. So I have a feeling when do you know whether if an Australian says he's playing footy, is he talking about soccer or Australian rules football? He's either talking about Aussie rules football or rugby okay. it depends on where you are in australia because they call footy is like aussie football they usually call it footy but it's very like regional i guess even though they have professional yeah. teams all across australia like what coast the east coast like sydney is very much like rugby country and they'll still call it like i've watched some rugby like rugby league and they still call it like here on friday night footy in their australian accents of course mm -hmm. i'm like gotta love it but Aussie football is primarily footy, and they call soccer just soccer. I don't know. I don't Good know people. the history. Soccer like, is soccer. I yeah, like it, that. It, it's it's soccer. Surprise. I don't know the history of like how we or it started as football and it. I mean, I know there. I know part of the history, but specifically the Australian history. Yeah, got it. Yeah, like, I'm surprised they say soccer too. The regional part of it is we. I mean, like the global part of it is weird because we know like soccer is association football, and right. that's how it got it. But as far as like who adapt, who adopted it, where is pretty interesting. Because Aussie football has been around a long time too. Like the team that I follow was like established in 1863. So I don't know. Crazy. At some time, at some point, they're like maybe when soccer started, the name soccer took off. They're like we'll just call it soccer because we have too many footballs going on. <laughs> yeah, it's like. I bet there's a line in the sand of like when you immigrated to whatever country and like when it was still being called soccer. I don't know. That'd be interesting. I like to think that some, that some like leader of a village decided it. It's like, you know what? We can't do, can't do three different footies or football. Like we're just going to make it different. And then whatever that guy decided in some village a hundred years ago, just that was it. They also, they have like two forms of rugby, which is, I've just, heard that too. Cause they play rugby league and then rugby union. And it's, they're both professional in Australia. They just do a lot of weird things down there. Yeah, yeah. I could go on about this forever. Yeah, I, let's let's get back to soccer because I have so many more I, questions. This is not a, a footy. I mean, it is flyover footy, but it's not an Aussie awesome footy oh boy. podcast. So I'll shut up. About I guess awesome we're football. kind of asking for it here. Uh, over a beer, we'll we'll do that a little more extensively. Uh, hopefully, in a bar or at my house or yours. Um, let's get into some soccer. Uh, the first one, I'm. Uh, this is my most exciting topic of the night because Stuart went to see Maritza play the St. Louis City. Uh, SCU 17s or whoever in, in a friendly and um, it was like a cool game you just gave us a play-by-play -play -play. I wish I'd seen it but why don't you uh, tell us about it Stuart yeah so uh, the day before last or uh, last Saturday day before the match they uh, leaked some news that City Academy would be playing um, St. Louis Maritza SC or FC rather and um, for those who don't know, uh, Maritza is a local semi-pro club that is owned by Alexander Todorov, who's a um, Bulgarian-American 
Um, he told me he was Swiss. Or he's Swiss, but his his ancestry is Bulgarian um, through his parents, I guess. Um, that's from the STL Today article. But uh, he he founded Mirza a few years ago, and they're semi-pro, and they're uh, one match away from qualifying for the U.S. Open Cup, and that's in three weeks. I think two weeks in like a week and a half week and a half. Uh, well it's coming up. So they needed some game time. A lot of their guys were playing for inter in, um, the, uh, Liga Latino, Liga Latina, um, Sunday league. But anyways, they needed some game time and uh, city Academy needed some game time on their off week. Um, I, they didn't give an age range, but talking with Matt, it sounds like it was probably the U 16s, mostly U 16s. That would be the theory because it was Sunday they played, right? Yeah. And so we know the 17s were in Houston on Saturday. Yeah. So, um, and they definitely weren't back yet. Like I didn't see Sam. I think Vin also went down to Houston. Yeah. yeah, neither of them were there. Lutz was uh Lutz was there, Hack was there, Luis was there, um I think TK was there. Um so I don't actually know who all went down to Houston. Um Rankin, Elvier Critchley? Oh yeah, Critchley wasn't there, so he must have been down in Houston. But anyways, uh, Maritza is a really, really good team. Um, I They're just a lot of fun to watch. And um, they have uh, a couple professionals on the team. Um, Lucas Almeida? Almeida? Yeah, Almeida, I think. Almeida plays for St. Louis Ambush, or used to at least. Um, Otto... Jahic used to play. I don't know if he still plays for Maritza, um, but he plays for Ambush. Um, so all that to say is they're a really, really good team. And um, 95% of the time when any academy team is going to play a team of adult, fully developed players, they're, they're going to lose. So... Um, when I, I guess, might as well just dive into how the game went. Um, so City lost, and the scoreline is um, a little, well, it's not flattering, but they actually played pretty well against a really good team. So the final score was uh, seven to three, and they played three thirty-minute periods. Um, and I was one nothing when I showed up because I showed up on time, like always, uh, 30 minutes late, <laughs> but anyways, uh, sat by some, some parents, city parents. And, um, that was a fun, uh, fun match. It was beautiful weather. Um, city players held their own. They played a team that was physically developed and really pushed them physically, which I thought was really good for them. Um, and the starting keeper for city, I don't know if it was Owen or if Owen was down with the U 17s. I really need numbers for these kids because, um, outside of, uh, like Tyler Sargent and Delkis, uh, who have very distinctive hair 
cuts um some of them are harder to keep track of so anyways um city played well kind of fell apart at the end but um it's not a shame losing to a bunch of guys in their 20s who are you know semi pros when you're you know 16 15 years old so anyways i just thought that was cool that that match happened i think it was beneficial for both those clubs um yeah i know i wouldn't have been super thrilled as a 15 year old playing like a 24 year old who um could probably kick a ball through my torso if he tried so well i mean the if it, if it was the 16s like we think it was then this would have been so they, they've been running rough shot through mls next um they're undefeated in every single match they've played against similar aged competition so this was their second match i believe against a club that was putting older kids and young adults against them the first being fc cincinnati um and they lost against FC Cincinnati. They lost against Maritza. So I think these are, from a city perspective, it seems like they're more reality checks and um, kind of measuring sticks for, for for the kids in where they are in development, how they're handling different competition, different styles. It reminds me of when we always talk about CONCACAF and how it's so different playing in that league versus other places in the world because it's just that style. Well, you're having kind of, like you were saying, a, a rougher style, more physical that they may not just have seen in MLS next. So I think it probably did a whole lot of good for the city Academy. And then for Maritza, this, I assume this was their, one of their last tune-up matches before they go to Virginia. So they, they were in New York when they let won their last uh, qualifying match for us open cup for 2022. And they're playing Lynchburg FC either November 20th or 21st. So this, I would assume they might try to find one more tune-up or you know, get some kind of a scrimmage in before that, but this was probably one of their big tests before making that trip, which isn't a short trip. No, that's a long one. Um, I also think about like when Des Moines Menace played the Scott Gallagher U23s. It's kind of a similar vibe, right? But you know, in some ways, based on what you said, Stuart, I think about like the city center backs having to deal with grown men. Uh, or close to grown men. Yeah. Yeah. Grown men at that point and uh, how terrible that would be. But also the fact that um, Maritza had to play through a high press of like super athletic, like never tiring teenagers, basically, that was probably a really good test for them. And I think that's why, especially when you said three 30 minute uh, periods, man. Yeah. Of course they're tired at the last 30 minutes. They're not used to quite that much, but um it took that long for Maritza to figure him out because it was like goal one side, goal the other side, right? Wasn't it kind of a draw toward the end? I forgot how it went down. Yeah, so City was up one nothing when I showed up, um, and then Maritza kind of dominated the first 15 minutes of that second second half, and then they scored. It was 2-1, and then, uh, yeah, it went 2-1, 2-2, 3-2, 3-3, and then um, just kind of, and that was it. Yeah, rolled on from there. So the last probably twenty-five minutes of the match was just a shooting gallery. But um, no, they had their moments, and uh, uh, 
Delk has had some pretty good opportunities. I don't, I don't actually know if the Maritza keeper was their normal keeper or if he was a city academy keeper who just dressed for them because he looked, he looked really young. Um, but um, actually, the the third city goal. I was looking down, tweeting when it happened. But what the parents said is, the Maritza keeper carried the ball into his own net on accident. So, uh, yeah. So I want to know. I only saw one Maritza game, and I don't know if they played a really bad com- uh, competition. But they played really beautiful soccer in that one. And sometimes they would do the counterattack, the long ball kind of thing. But a lot of times they were just like possessing the ball, kicking it around. It looked really good in semi-pro. You don't see that very often. I don't know. Did you see any of that? Or have you in other Maritza games? Or was that a bit of a strange one that I saw? Yeah, no, they possess the ball well and they're, they're good at passing. I mean, like I said, at least a couple of them are professional soccer players, fully professional. Um, and I want to say at least a couple of them played previously played professionally in some capacity and then a lot of them played in college so i mean and they've played together for a while so they have good chemistry work well as a team they all know each other um and they're coached well i mean they're i mean i i i'm excited if they if they make it to the open cup because i think they could pull off a couple upsets and it would be fun to watch them play against uh you know, a, a team from USL or something like that. So mm-hmm. we'll see. We'll see. But I'm they in uh, 2018 they lost to Rayados in North Texas in their last qualifying game. Uh, so hopefully we don't fall short again this year. Yeah, I can't wait for them to play. I, someday they'll play a pro team if they keep going like this. Um, and I can't wait to see it. Um, also, I'm really curious. I think it's really cool that those two teams faced off and Lutz was there, right? So, like, we got a, we got an LDL team to fill. Like, there's no reason not to take some of those Marita guys if they're not playing in the Open Cup. Well, I think most of them are older than the 24 range, which... I think that you can be 27. Well, they haven't they have they haven't put an age restriction on the league itself. Oh, okay. The and I think our last show we talked about right after they came out with the open tryout. So City has put their own eighteen to twenty four guardrail around it okay. for their open tryouts. Now, if they follow the academy structure, they're going to scout. They're going to have closed tryouts. Could be could have been scouting. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. If I was a Maritza player, I'd be. It'd be in the back of my head for sure. Yeah, it kind of goes back to what the point of the LDL roster is in its perspective. I mean, you you're going to have it a pipe. You're going to make it a pipeline, but you also have to fill roster spots yeah. and you want to compete. So, what kind of mixture and does yeah. do some of the Maritz players fit in that? And where does money play? <laughs> We all assume Maritz is making some kind of money, whether it's official or unofficial. So, um, you know, whatever. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see if they, uh, how much they're going to pay their guys. You know, like, and I, and I talked to Tyler David, he wouldn't ma- mind me mentioning this. He was like, yeah, it sounds like a good opportunity. I think he would love to play pro soccer. Um, and, um, that would count. Right. Um, but he's got like a, a floor that he's willing to accept in a year. Um, as far as pay is concerned. So, I mean, it'll hopefully count as pro MLS hasn't gotten D three sanctioning yet. You're They've right. just applied for it. Yeah. And that league starts in 
four months. Well, and to then, be fair, sanctioning for all the leagues just happened for next year. So true, true. that's just the normal time period. So I, I mean, I'd be shocked if they don't get accepted for D3. I mean, yeah. we'll see. Yeah. I'm curious how that's going to go too. Um, and I know, like I have heard that that has been rushed the whole process and you know, uh, we could go on about that. We won't, but I don't know. And it's not the league or sanctioning that, uh, the league itself. Oh ob- yeah, absolutely. Okay. I mean, that, I guess it's obvious, but it, it, yeah, it's completely obvious in the fact that we don't know. It made news in places when city announced that they were having their open tryouts because it confirmed to people that city <laughs> was having a team. Like you, so you're funny. getting, you're getting leaks of teams. Like we know the, the USL championship plan for the MLS two teams, who's going to compete next year and who, and we know they're all going to be out by the end of next year, mm. but you have, you don't have, you don't, there's so, I mean, so much unknowns. You don't know which MLS teams are going to field a team there. You don't know which non MLS teams are going to be recruited, invited, pay in other than the concepts of the whole thing. Yeah. It it does almost feel a little bit like the old um, MLS Reserve League. Like yeah, we just skipped time again. It honestly feels like the only reason they're doing it so quickly is to package it with the meteorites deal that they're trying to sell right now. Mm. Because I've the Athletic had that had a deep dive on that where oh. they're trying to. It's not going to make a whole lot of money in of itself, but it's in the same way that USL League One and Championship sort of college NCAA matchups just fill slots, provide live content. I mean, that's a whole other league that you can just roll into ESPN plus or Peacock or whatever. Yeah. And I I will say that the fact that they wanted independent clubs as part of it, I think that's definitely plays into that for sure. Um, But I do think they want it to seem like a professional league. So it gives them merit as well. But, um, you know, I, I do think the main uh, motivation for this has been that USL championship and even league one costs are just rising and rising and rising. And from what I heard, there are just like a lot of owners that are just like, we're never going to spend this money. We're never going to meet the requirements. We need something cheap. Let's just do it ourselves. And like some of those people, you know, had an idea of how easy or hard this would be. And some of them didn't. So it seemed to me like, uh, feels the, thrown together for it, sure. It, thrown together, but part of it comes from the ending of the MLS USL relationship that benefited both parties for a long time. Like, let's be honest, the MLS two clubs helped keep USL afloat there at the very beginning. And when USL really took off and quickly didn't need them as much to survive, it kind of became this, like had a lot of friction between the leagues where MLS had a goal of developing their players, which is ultimately their goal in this new D three league. They're that, linking MLS next youth to the D one professional MLS. And you want to continue to develop players and provide them that pathway, your own pathway, uh, without the, I mean, competition, the USL championship has it, it, that is its own league. Those teams are fighting to win and that we know that's not the case for MLS two teams in there. So other than MLS, originally needed a place to house their development leagues and USL provided that platform. USL needed to grow. So they were welcoming them with open arms. Both leagues have shifted apart in their focuses. So this, I mean, it makes sense. And I think MLS just doesn't want to wait among other things. Or maybe the, yeah. And in a lot of ways, maybe they couldn't 
but um, it's good timing for St. Louis. I'm glad mm -hmm. they have a place to have some pro soccer before 2023. It's uh, weirdly perfect timing it. for St. Louis yeah. city. I, how that worked out was really, really weird. We'll take it right. For sure. Um, shortly we got to, I keep meaning to do this and, and honestly, this is a bit of a maybe understanding the fact that we keep forgetting to mention it. Um, we definitely want city to be a, at like a La Liga game, the St. Louis um, amateur is the best league in St. Louis that isn't pro basically or semi-pro. Um, it's so much fun. It's an amazing game day. There's like tacos and um, there's what the, the pie. Oh, wait, no. What does the guy walk around and serve? Oh, he serves fruit. He walks around in the little um, yeah. cart. I forget. Is it mango with pepper, with red pepper or it's cayenne some, Something pepper that starts with a P. Is it papaya? It's not papaya. Oh, okay. Are you thinking about cool. the pupusas that they make? In yeah, the that's what oh, I'm thinking pupusas. of. Yeah, uh, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, they fry up pupusas in a different tent. That's those are absolutely amazing. But yeah, the the fruit man with the mango is. But the game day is incredible, great. and some of the soccer is really good. And the fact that you get there and it's not like it's called La Liga, but it is like all the internationals who play at a high level of soccer and aren't professionals are there. And there's guys like there's stories about like wrangling to like steal the best players. And um, I think Inter is all usually the best team. But like there's guys that compete every year and a lot of them end up on Maritza. And it's just such a cool environment that everybody needs to go out to one of those games. And right now it's going on. Stuart, do you know what the next game is? Oh, no, it wrapped up a couple of weeks ago. See, so that's my problem. We're yeah. in the off season now. We were just had their, they just had their champion v champion game. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> So uh, the uh, Missouri side champion of Liga Latina played um, the Cahokia League champion, and it was a that was a bloodbath. I think the final was nine to one, eight to one, and they they blew the whistle at seventy nine minutes. So um, you you could tell at the end of uh, there was one moment in the match in which. Uh, Oh, gosh, what I forget the name of the um, the Cahokia Illinois team, but one of their players just elbowed a Inter player. <laughs> and you could tell the Inter players were just kind of like, "No, gloves are off." Yeah. And then I think it was uh, three nothing at that point, and gosh. then it was five one and a like five minutes later and then you know they scored on a penalty so it was 5-1 and then they just scored four goals in like five minutes and then they blew the whistle it's <laughs> like oh, well wow yeah the hard-headedness like the infighting it's so much fun i saw like a, a coach scream at a few players but like right in like five feet from me it was a lot of fun yeah there's there's one team um whose keeper was in the Barcelona Academy. Wow. Uh, gosh, I don't remember who that is. But he obviously plays with a lot of swagger. And <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> uh, there, was, there was one guy who was playing in the second league in Ghana professionally. Um, of course, Charlie Rankin used to play professionally, so he's there. Um, yeah, a bunch of ambush guys play in that league. So it's, don't say City's not there, Phil. <laughs> I, I think Vin used to play in that league. Yep. Um, 
maybe he'll he'll he introduced uh, it to me like he'll suit up the boots next year he reminded me that it was happening and was like hey meet, meet me there say hi and I'm, I'm so glad I went took my son had a great time everyone was awesome uh, so next year we got to cover that better. We have to, if we don't like, how can we like blame city for not being there? It's so ridiculous. So, um, we're going to cover it better. We're going to go and have a great time. Everyone should, um, let's move on to, uh, just a quick mention again in college soccer, Joey Mayer had a, what they clinched to playoff the playoff big, spot for Indiana, Indiana. Yeah. It was the, uh, big 10 semifinal today in their tournament. And, uh, yeah, he scored to uh, get them to the final on Sunday. Sunday, yeah. Yeah. So Where do they play? Michigan or something? Uh, Penn State. Penn State. Okay. Yeah. So It was 1-0, and the game-winning goal was scored by a St. Louis center back. It was an overtime goal, like, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 97th minute. Yep. Nice. Um, it was a great, I mean, it was a great um, lead-up, too. Mayor found himself in the box. Um, there's a buildup on the left-hand side and I think there was a buildup on the far left, um, pass it into a guy in the box on the left-hand side who kind of rocketed it towards mayor almost seemed like he was deer in the headlights at first, but it was just in replays. It was just him settling the ball. So he had, he not only received the ball like five yards from the yeah. goal, but he settled it in time to just rocket it best. And the, uh, the interview interviewer after the match, asked him if he thought about like one timing it and he just like laughed it off and he was like, I, I felt like I had all the time in the world type of thing. He did. And he did. Yeah. He was just, I mean, unmarked to no end. I don't know if just nobody expected a defender to find himself in that position, but I assume it was after a corner or something. Cause he was hanging out like a striker, like just in front of the six. I, I don't, <laughs> if I remember it right, cause it was in the middle of a work day, but I don't think I don't think it was a corner. I think and if it was, then it was just a, a roll in from the corner. Cause it was a buildup on that left side. It's crazy. Like they, the, whoever crossed it in low, like it was just like clipping the was, top of the grass, like, like smooth. Was, and Joey settled it to his so credit well. really well. But then it was like, step, step, kick <laughs> like so much time, but it, it was perfect. It was good. Yeah, and we we do have a resident Hoosier here who. Uh, oh yeah, we got Brother Worms says hi. I've been silent over here because I was before we started recording. I was like, oh yeah, I'm a Hoosier and born and raised. Not really. I'm not from Indiana, but my dad is, and I got to go to like a an IU a Big Ten championship game like a long time. It was probably 2002, 2003 or something. If you look up whichever year they won, I was there that one time. Um, <laughs> And now I'm over here quiet because I did not watch this game. It's like I'll a be watching the championship. Oh, I'm surprised either. my dad yeah. didn't text me because he usually does like when they're playing. <laughs> it's like a St. Louis connection without having a St. Louis connection with us having such a big pipeline through Indiana now. Yeah, it works. I know it's cool to have that because I'm not from. Also, I'm not from St. Louis originally. I'm from uh, Wichita, Kansas. So to have that like, <clears throat> I kind of grew up watching Indiana, like IU, and then to move here and like the big old St. Louis connection is really cool. Thanks. It is. Yeah, do you know the the story though behind the uh, how Hoosier became a term in St. Louis? Oh no, <laughs> I, yeah, I, let me. I can explain that too. So growing up as like my dad from Indiana, like the Hoosiers, and like watching the Hoosiers basketball movie growing up, like that's what I knew. Like Hoosier is Indiana in basketball specifically, and uh, and yeah, and then I move here and everyone's like, say like I don't know what Hoosier means here. I do now, but I didn't at first, so I was very confused because I just think of like. Indiana University. 
And Bob Knight. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, the legend goes that Hoosier was originally uh, a kind of a slanderous term for uh, workers who were brought in from Indiana during a Chrysler strike in the 30s, I guess, or 50s, something like that. Um, and then it just kind of morphed into something completely disconnected from Indiana at all here, where it, it, it's even become a term of endearment now, I would say, because it was a little um, antiquated, it felt like, when I was younger. And now it's kind of circled back into, like, my, my neighbor likes to mow his lawn in a Speedo and a cowboy hat, and that's it. <laughs> And he's drinking bush beer, and it is, to me, incredibly Hoosier. <laughs> the most Hoosier thing I could think of, except maybe if he had it like his kid on his back while he was doing it or something. So, I don't know. Um, well, I mean, when you give me that picture, that probably describes a lot of my family in it. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I guess I could see it now. Cool. I'm picturing overweight in like a big sparkling cowboy hat. I don't know if in a rainbow. Like, I, I, it was I, an American flag speedo. If that nice. helps, it does uh, that, help. yeah, that definitely helps. Yeah, that's perfect. It doesn't help the mental image because I, I don't. That's not good. <laughs> so uh, none of us watched this game either. But Jack Lynn is a St. Louis striker for Notre Dame, and they were playing Pitt, who is ranked number one. I don't know if they're number one in ACC or number one in the nation. Uh, tournament ACC, rankings, right? Yeah, that makes Indiana was ranked third. Though Pitt went to the final, didn't they? Or the final four in yes. the tournament? Anyway, it, it doesn't matter. Jacqueline scored the first goal of two, um, and they blanked Pitt um, in the game. So they w are going to the ACC final, I think is, is what I heard in that clip. So um, Jacqueline, man, he's a dangerous player. He's quick, and I could definitely see him playing for us in the, in the future. I hope I keep crossing my fingers because I think he'll be useful in MLS. Incredible, I don't know, but useful. I think he'll be, he'll be there in some form or fashion, um, or loan down to USL at worst, and I'll watch him there too. Um, you mean MLS D three? Yeah, I mean, if I don't know if he's willing, if he's willing, I'm sure he wants a contract of some sort that's bigger than that. But we'll see. Um, let's talk about St. Louis City more specifically. Let's start with St. Louis City versus Scott Gallagher this weekend. This is the one I think everyone's kind of head start on the calendar all year like what's going to happen and how's it going to go down um Stuart, you want to start us off on this one yeah so this is a i think one that has a little bit of mixed allegiances for me of course going back to soccer park um and a lot of these gallagher kids or city kids are former you know st louis fc academy kids and a lot of the gallagher kids are um former st louis city until or former St. Louis FC Academy players as well. So, uh, you know, my, uh, my allegiance to Scott Gallagher Academy admittedly took a little bit of a, a hit when they dropped the St. Louis FC Academy name. Um, but, um, I still do love Gallagher and I love city and I love soccer park. So, uh, I'm going to be excited to see, you know, Brad Davis and uh, Scott Clemenson and uh, Nick Dawes and some of those old familiar faces back at Soccer Park again. And 
just have a grand old time and I hope everyone has fun and I hope everyone wins. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I can't say anything about it. Or shakes hands at the end of the game. Yeah, now watch. It's going to be the most... Um, yeah, what if it's yeah, super chippy? It's the chippiest game. There's going to be fist fights in the stands and on the field. And well, Vin's going to put someone in a headlock from the, you know... I don't know. Lutz and Brad Davis are going to go at it. Yeah. Oh, man. They're going to no. settle it with a old school MLS shootout 1v1 style starting from the halfway line. It's going to be Lutz or Brad V. Lutz. Oh my gosh. Well, they'd they'd rotate too, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm going to be envisioning that for a long time now. See, this is when one that I know everybody circled when the schedule came out was you see all these, I know I did. um, You see all these Academy matches in the morning nine, 10, 11 o'clock. And, you know, on a Saturday, you know, my kids got kickaroos, so I can't go to every match. I'm sure a lot of other people are in the same boat, especially those with kids in youth programs or just having general activities on Saturday morning. It's tough. Saturday mornings are tough. Um, but this is a Saturday night match. This is the only Saturday night match and it's, uh, the Derby match. And so it's fun for fans and it's something everybody's looking forward to. The Luligans are having a big event, um, big tailgate, um, kind of a Jersey scarf swap type thing. Um, tall boy roulette, you know, the, they, they're pulling out the nines for, for making it just a big event. And, and so that helps add to the atmosphere, um, to the environment, every single person in that, in that st- in those stands at soccer park are St. Louis, you know, visiting fans home. I mean, it's all St. Louis. It's such a unique, and it's the thing that we talked about when this whole thing started, when we knew that Gallagher was going to be in the league, when we knew city was going to have an Academy team. This is, this has been, this is the culmination. Um, so from a fan perspective, I think it's what everybody's been looking forward to, but on the player side and on the coaching side, the way that city's roster and staff have taken shape makes this kind of next level, no pun intended, but next level in the sense that what city has put on. And I had a conversation with somebody who I'm definitely not going to name names because this isn't the most flattering. Although I do think it's the most true city's U 17 team right now is essentially Gallagher's U U 16, 14, whatever team from last year. Like they, the amount of kids that used to play for Gallagher that now play for city 17 team is rather unreal. And we talked about this a few episodes ago that it was like 30%. Um, it was more than that. It was like 60% or something like that came from Gallagher or fuse, but the, it was, it was almost put to me and I hadn't thought of it like this, that it's Gallagher's a team from last year versus Gallagher's B team. And now one of them is playing for city. So I, I, I know there are feathers ruffled um, that in, in the way that that went down, but I think that adds to the intensity that you guys, we were joking about, you know, the physicality, the players, I don't know how they're really going to, if they're going to treat it differently, you know, they're, they're, they're probably treating this as like, it's a little higher intensity, but at the end of the, at the end of the day, it's a game and they want to compete and they want to, they want to win. Um, they might have a little extra reason, but I just think that adds to the overall mystique around the match when you take into consideration the history of the roster development, um, 
Tim Kelly, all, all of those things that have Gallagher ties to them. Um, in addition to just our, as fans support where we supported St. Louis FC for so long and St. Louis FC was inherently Scott Gallagher. And I, I'm the same way as used to like my allegiance was to St. Louis FC. It was, I, I always understood that Gallagher and Gallagher pro owned St. Louis FC. So there was that innate interest and, you know, Gallagher's U 23 last year, I was a big fan of attending matches, supporting them, rooting for them. Those players played for St. Louis FC, but there was a little bit of a hit when the crest went away. Like I'm wearing a St. Louis FC hat right now. And that is, that was my team. It wasn't the the Gallagher crest. I didn't have a kid in the, in the Gallagher youth system. So I'm not tied innately to Gallagher. Like I felt like I was with St. Louis FC. So I don't know that it'll be like, I'm desperate for city to win because it's an Academy match at the end of the day. Like all these kids need experience and they want to compete. So I'm not going to be watching wherever I'm going to watch from rooting and living and dying by city goals. That's not what this is. It's St. Louis v. St. Louis. It's exciting to see all kids who represent St. Louis uh, compete at this level. And I think it's one of the most unique things that MLS next has to offer. I like the last statement you made there. It is nice to see just all St. Louis kids go against all St. Louis kids. Uh, thank goodness Scott Gallagher's in the same conference and in MLS next, you know, like I kind of, I'm, I'm kind of torn in two ways because as a USL guy, I'm going to root against the MLS teams in a lot of ways. Right. Because it's like that MLS system is, is built against teams like St. Louis, Scott Gallagher. Right. And, it's, it's meant to push the MLS teams. It's just naturally going to help them for the most part. Like, and we were talking earlier because I was looking at the wrong standings because there's league standings that naturally comes up when you Google it, but you have to click interleague in order to get the actual standings between both teams, uh, both, uh, MLS teams, academies and non MLS academies. And, um, there's been a worry for a long time. And I think even Lutz like let it slip in a press conference that I've never heard anywhere else. I've asked around, but it seems like at some point there's going to be like a, a playoff tournament and it's going to be only MLS teams. And I think that's why there's separate standings. I don't know. Have you read something, Matt? Sorry. Yeah. And I think that goes back to um, when MLS next was first announced and they announced that they were going to pull in some non MLS affiliated groups. There was like an A group and a B group where all the MLS clubs, and that's why there's two there's two tabs there. There's a league tab that clearly indicates MLS v MLS matchups where crew, uh, FCC, Austin, us. But then there's, and that's why Gallagher doesn't have as robust of a, a number on that tab. And then the interleague is those out are those outside non MLS affiliated. So you can tell league is MLS, interleague is MLS versus the world type type thing. And the I think if I recall the MLS next cup um, does have a distinction between like at some level MLS versus other groups, like whether they're in completely different tournaments or seated differently or have the same opportunities at the end of the year. But when that MLS next cup comes around, it is like the haves and the have nots in that sense. That's like, be, and that's what I've been worried about. Yeah. Yeah. yeah to be blunt MLS is cutting out those academies that are non-MLS. Um, you can say it's for added competition, which I'm sure to some extent it is, but I'm sure a team like Chicago Fire is 
a little um, put out that they have never been the best academy in Chicago or a team like Sounders um, have in many ways been living in the shadow of Crossfire forever. And um, both of those academies are typically better than their MLS Academy counterparts. And I mean, looking at the division that City is playing in, um, in their inner league, uh, the top of that table is Soccer's, which is um, the Chicago club. So, yeah, the, I mean, the broad truth of it is MLS. I think played a little bit dirty, but they set up their own league by their own rules. And since us soccer as a federation is pretty useless in a lot of ways, um, they allowed it to happen. So yeah, I mean, I, I'm still not super happy about the way they set this up, but I wasn't super happy about how USL set up their Academy either. Should just have one Academy system for, Yep. The whole federation, but I oft, oftentimes I'll come across as an MLS apologist just because of the stances I, I tend to take or the devil's advocate points of view that I have. Um, I have internal monologues in myself. I'm kind of a crazy person in that way where I, I vocalize certain opinions and I, I counter myself and like, well, but what about this? End of the day, um, we know the inner workings of MLS and U.S. soccer are not what they should be. MLS has way too much sway over um, U.S. soccer dealings because of Garber's position on the board and just the how how the the two two quote unquote entities it, it coexist. Um, I don't know if the plan was always U.S. soccer can't afford a development academy, so they're going to fold the DA and then it's a wink wink nod nod. MLS is going to pick it up by creating their own MLS Next Youth Academy, which is. I mean, credit to USL for getting their academy off the um, off the ground when they did, but MLS Next is the premier youth academy in in the nation. I mean, that's where the top talent is rising to. Um, you don't see. Uh, I don't even know if there's an option for non USL clubs to participate in their academy, but it's almost like MLS Next is throwing them a bone at this point. Um, I, I, I'm conflicted though. And again, without coming across too much of an MLS apologist in this sense, I'm conflicted because MLS has facilitated free academies. So they like almost setting aside the fact that, um, they're running a league that they should not be running. Like they're, they should not be the top division should not be running the youth Academy in the country. Um, that's the Federation's job, but they are providing a, a free platform for players to progress from anywhere from 13 to 19, uh, through those age levels, opportunities that kids may not have in places like Gallagher, like soccer's like crossfire that, I, and I don't know about soccer to crossfire if they're a pay to play, I assume, yeah. but the, so the opportunities that they can't provide or can't facilitate because of the pay to play nature. And that's kind of where MLS's strong point comes in is their ability to provide that free to play platform um, in their own systems. So when I think of like Sounders not having as robust history or always playing second fiddle to Crossfire, I think, yeah, but they're going to get there because they have that leg up on the free to play on the the 
um, infrastructure that MLS can provide now. So it's, 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 it's hit or miss on good or bad because yes, free to play, but they're being given a, an innate leg up in the, the funds that are coming down to that level from MLS league, um, from like the, the single entity structure that the groups like Gallagher soccer's and crossfire aren't getting. So they, if they cannot deviate from their pay to play, like they would not survive without that structure. So, and, and again, it goes back to the, there's a federation that exists without existing in this. Like, it's almost like they're just letting things happen between these, these youth academies and MLS who's creating their own youth academies. Yeah. There's, um, some MLS teams do get around the whole free to play thing because I believe, uh, well, Houston, I think Seattle does too. They have ECNL teams, um, at different age groups that are wink, wink, not part of their Academy. I mean, they are, they're burying the dynamo crust, um, and they're not free to play. They're pay to play. Um, but they're just an ECNL. I literally just heard that really quick FC Dallas, like someone was like, they sold all these players this year. It's going to fund their Academy. And the guy was like, it was third degree who we all know. Like he was like, no, no, no. The Academy's already funded by ECNL. And like it's pay to play in the, in the bottom levels, like you said. Yeah. And actually some of, yeah. So and city can kind of get around that a little bit because you're picking the cream when you get to, you know, 14 on up 15 on up. So those, and hopefully that money trickles down and on the satellite programs, they are getting free to play and they're not, just pay to play until they get to 14 and then they're basically scholarshiped in. We know they're helping to coach the coaches down at the levels below them. Like there's Lutz has shown ad nauseum, the Academy structure that has the, the lower than 14. Uh, that is the community level. If, if funds don't reach those levels from city, from what they're working to at some point, then that's a travesty. I'm torn on that too. We've got, we've really dipped our toe in like five different ponds here, but like, I, I do think that's like where uh, to, to just pick a couple of those things that one is that I, I said I was torn earlier and I talked about what I hate about MLS, Matt, you, you really laid out perfectly. There are amazing things about the non pay to play structure that we've got with MLS that we wouldn't have otherwise. And even though it is a little bit, uh, skewed, but the fact that St. Louis City doesn't have those pay-to-play models below their academy structure, I think, says a lot, and that they are trying to like pay it forward by doing these satellite sites. And I don't think we've seen anything from that yet, right? I mean, not it's early. Publicly. Not I'm, publicly. I'm not mad about that at all, right? Like, if it hasn't started, I totally get it, right? But someday, those really need to step forward, and they really need to try to fight this whole like. Um, middle-class white kid is soccer in St. Louis and in the nation for the most part. Um, and so that satellite structure is supposed to be that. Will the money trickle down? I don't know. All they've said is that they're going to train coaches. So like- anecdotally, the only, uh, the only thing I've seen anecdotally, uh, because they don't publish, um, you know, they don't make public those things. That's not city's MO. They're not going to publicize. We, we worked with this group. We gave money to this group um, at, down at Dutchtown with the futsal court the day that the grand opening occurred, um, 
Tim Twalman was down there with a group from city, uh, just having a little clinic with kids. Uh, there was little games that, um, Umoja was having on the court, but there was a big field right next to the futsal court that Twalman and city, uh, I, I don't know what their, their consultant, um, position is but like a community coach type thing that group was coaching up and training and like teaching the game to to kids from the neighborhood all minority kids and so i have to believe and that and so that was just that one day we came back for the community cleanup and another one was happening like they were having another little clinic there and so i have to believe that isn't an isolated event I, i i don't know if that's one of many and that's part of their strategic platform around the city but that as just a, an indication of what may be occurring is heartening. Yeah. And, and that shouldn't be belittled in any way, like, because it's already happened a few times, right? They had, I think they had the Cardinal Glennon, a couple free clinics, mm-hmm. right? So they're starting this and they're continuing it. And, and the reason we can't belittle this is there's been news about Detroit city this week. And, um, something that I think a lot of people missed a few weeks ago was this Detroit, um, dad and, a black man who has a kid who loves soccer. Right. And he'll like, he'll, he'll, uh, pay for, um, clinics for his kid just cause he loves soccer. And he takes him to all these clinics that different clubs put on. Well, DC FC Detroit city teamed up with someone else who provided a free one. And he was like, I couldn't believe it. It's free. And I came out and like the thing that someone else quote tweeted and it's the best quote. He's like, I've never seen so many black people playing soccer before. It's amazing. Right. And so like, um, St. Louis city has this dilemma, right? Like how do we do this in a meaningful way? I did an interview with some women from mill Creek neighborhood and they kept using this phrase, like what will city do in a meaningful way for that old neighborhood for, um, you know, black kids, Latino kids, immigrants growing up who don't have money for pay to play. What is a meaningful way for them to do things? They're starting it right. And, and if they continue it, I applaud them. Um, where does the money come from? How much money can they put in? I don't know, but, and, um, I, it feels meaningful so far. It feels like it has good intentions and the fact that they don't have a pay to play to circle back, like kind of makes it feel a little bit, a little bit more legit. And I do think that that's, that's noteworthy that, uh, is not isolated to St. Louis city. St. Louis city is doing it where they need to in our community. But you just saw this week news came out of, um, NYCFC where they just put, um, the first of 26 courts in the city of New York. Uh, I think it was a hardwood court that is going to be just a, an opportunity for, again, those lower income, the youth, the people who just to come and experience soccer, to learn the sport, to be, to have exposure to it and to have a safe place to go. Um, you're seeing that MLS teams across the country are using that, uh, as they're using soccer as a platform to reach in their community. Atlanta United is a perfect example that we all know of where they've built courts in the city and, and provided, um, after school activities, St. Louis city is essentially just getting started. And I think it's going to be fun to watch that grow in our community, but also having an eye towards those activities that are occurring. And that's again, why I'm a little bit, I tend to be a little bit of an MLS apologist in that sense, because I see those activities occurring and I know they weren't occurring when other leagues existed because those other leagues were just fighting for survival. We're seeing a seismic shift in not just having to survive as a league, but what happens when you're having an eye for the future 
and you have the ability and the infrastructure to make meaningful change at the ground level? So my cynical take on this is what if New York City FC is starting all of those futsal courts around New York City just to have venues to play their playoff games in. <laughs> How many futsal courts does it take to make a full-size soccer field? Four side-by-side futsal courts. Voltron-esque, they're going to summon them all to some point, and they'll have a full-size pitch finally. Yeah, it's like those German fields that like they roll the field out so it gets sun during the day, and then like... You're just going to see like fences all of a sudden just like lower at once, and then grass just <laughs> appears... I actually like the Captain Planet metaphor better than Voltron and be perfect. See, I'm a Power Rangers guy. I was going for like <laughs> Megazord here. I think, yeah. No, Stuart's not old enough for the real Voltron. So I was thinking we were aging ourselves there. Stuart, are you actually like a 50-year-old man, 45-year-old man? <laughs> well, I just took my company health assessment today, so... So no comment? So I am a 22-year-old, uh, never smoked, never drank in my life. Um, it is. That is my favorite cynical take of yours of all time. It's a good one. Yeah, I was expecting so much worse. Um, so while we're kind of telling stories, we do need to wrap it up here. We're getting close to an hour. Um, and Jake, we're going to end on you, man. So be ready to talk about um, some some St. Louis City soccer that you've been seeing. Uh, but let's talk about the caves. Well, I mean, we're on a wacky uh, streak here. So let's talk about the caves in St. Louis and... Uh, whether or not we'll be able to sneak into the stadium through a cave system of some sort. I'm still holding out hope that we're not going to spend half an hour on Detroit City because you brought him up and now I'm concerned. But I want to, skipping, man. Skipping I think just snuck it in there. Roll. Stuart kind of, yeah, you led the way with this one. Uh, There's a reason I'm that I asked for whiskey tonight before. because I no, wasn't ready man. to talk about it so Okay, are we going two hours? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no. Stuart. With Detroit City, I was trying to think of a analogy, and for me, it's what it just feels like is, say, if you're living in a house and you love this house, you love your roommates, you love all your stuff in this house, and you have someone who just constantly tells you your house sucks, you suck, your roommates suck, and then you move out of the house and they move in and they start playing with all your stuff. <laughs> and um, that that kind of captures my feelings. Uh, the U.S. soccer environment, American soccer, especially on social media, can be a pretty toxic place. And I would say... Um, some of the most toxic people I've uh, ever interacted with on on the, those spheres come from um, the uh, Michigan area, uh, and I don't think that's a, that's a mistake or an error. And you talk to, gosh, any of the guys who, who are admins on some of these USL or reporter spheres, and um, I, I was just telling when all that news went down that some of the people who are shitting the most on this particular group of fans were, you know, the former social media admins for teams or people who, you know, interacted heavily with them in a professional capacity. Uh, but it, um, honestly, the part of me was just kind of like, well, um, 
St. Louis FC isn't around anymore, so I guess part of me is kind of happy that I won't be dealing with USL as much as I normally would next year because I won't have to interact with them. I guess when, at its most basic, when you live your world for 10 plus years in black and white, where you are the white and everybody else is is the black, is the antithesis of everything that you say and spout and and you are the shining beacon fighting the fight that nobody else is fighting as hard as you and then you wake up one day and you're told that your world is now gray and you come to the realization that nuance exists in the world when nuance has never existed in any interaction that you've ever had and you've had a million interactions with other understanding and and empathy and then you plead for understanding and empathy that your owners know best and you are trusting your owners in whatever they have to do i don't know what else you can expect and when you're living in a world where you have recently opened up ownership of your club to fans and fans are so excited that your club is a fan-owned club american sports doesn't do that like this is a club owned by fans, right? That's what we've, that's, that's my understanding. And then this week when, when everybody is saying, what, what about the, did the fans know? Did the fans say anything like your owners of the club? Well, no, turns out fans own up to 10% of the club. And we're now being told by could be seen as mouthpieces could be seen by high, heavy supporters of the club that the 10% is really only to break ties you know, we, we try and we don't expect there to be ties because we trust the owners implicitly. We, 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 and these owners are now doing the antithesis. They're turning your world gray. They're doing everything that you had previously fought against all in the name of the betterment of the club that you love. So their your hope and a prayer are now on joining a league that you have forever derided and are now trying to sell as they've made sudden leaps and bounds recently, which it may, may or may not be true, but when your attitude shifts on a dime and you've never given any indication that you believe anything other than what you've always said, I don't know what can be expected other than the shitstorm that came this week. And, and, and it won't stop. It won't stop. It won't stop. But honestly, like I, I would like to support Detroit city FC as a club because as a club, it's a sweet story, right? I mean, they came from a rec league and then they grew into an amateur league and then a division three and they have eight championships. It's a sweet story, but the sweet story is soured when the most vocal of your supporters are everything I just described. And in, I, I don't think it's a stretch of the imagination to say complete assholes to everyone they've come across on Twitter and on social media. And it's so if that's, if that's what people know of your club and if, if there's a hard distinction to make between the club and the supporters, it gets difficult to say, I'm super happy for Detroit city, even though from a 10,000 foot view, you should be based on just what their, their story as a club alone is, which honestly, 
sucks for them. And they should be, they should be being seen as and touted as this great story by us soccer. Like regardless of what the, and, and the narrative is based on what their supporters have created. Honestly, that's why everything's happening. And in it, in and of itself, like a team that's gone from rec league to now division two, like that's the kind of thing that we look at with admiration in England, no matter how it occurs, whether you're pro rel from a sporting perspective or in America, it's pro rel from a financial perspective. It it should be seen as, as this amazing thing, but because of that, it's not. Well, it, you'd be amiss to not think that culture is, is part of that promotion too in, in America because let's look at Oakland Roots. Yeah, they had the financial backing to get up there. They had the, the supporter groups, but their culture is incredible. The What they're doing with their community, I think that was a massive part of getting such a good support. But also I think the USL saw that and thought, this is something we want in our league. We want this kind of culture, to their credit. And I think Detroit City has a similar, you know, the culture is a very different thing, but it's a very cool thing. It's an amazing thing. And we'll, I see, a, we'll see how much of that culture and what they create survives. I know it could USLC. be bad. Let me, I'll just say really quickly that I had a great conversation with an amazing guest that I hope is going to like come in in the next week or two uh, and talk about this exact thing. And I'll just give you a little hint of it being that he was talking about how like this like independent soccer club thing is no longer, it hasn't been a thing in the United States for so long, but it is a vibe, right? And you can't bullshit that vibe. And there are different levels of it in every club. St. Louis wasn't anywhere near what Detroit city is, or even what, what Oakland is, but like it was there, right? The, like the, the realness that was there in the supporters and in the club's intentions and hopes and dreams, right? Uh, whether or not uh, they lived up to them. So we're going to, we'll dive deep in that if I can get him in, but like, it's a feeling and it's a vibe and Detroit's going to bring an awesome feeling and an awesome vibe to the USL, even if it's, you know, dragging their supporters by the, by their necks, basically kind of thing. But I'm excited about that side of it. Yeah. It'll be fun seeing the, uh, Phoenix, um, supporters fight, um, with, uh, Detroit supporters. Um, and one of my favorite things is when people tell you they don't care at all about you. And then you say something about them and they won't stop talking about you which nothing tells me that you don't care what other people's opinions are than constantly going out of your way to talk about absolutely everyone and you're you're not sensitive about other people but when they mention anything about you you go off the rails like that that just screams to me secure in themselves it just screams to me that they don't care as as someone put it, they are um, great value Millwall. There it is. <laughs> that was so good. How are people supposed to know that you don't care about something if you don't tell them that you don't care and get on them about constantly, it? constantly? Yeah, yeah. You. Don't, I mean, I know when I don't care about something, I focus all of my energy around it, and the Obviously. things I really care about. I don't do anything at all. Yeah, I, I, I don't spend any time on it. Uh, things can get cloudy, right? And, and I think 
Well, but first, go ahead. Yeah. The I, the question it, question that we kind of alluded to before the show, but who is the white whale of Detroit City? Who is the thirty five percent new owner no, who has a twenty million dollar net worth per the professional league standards requirement that Detroit seemed to wrangle? Definitely not going to go where we went earlier. No, but someone if you who, if who you is guys this? know who Harry Ramincall at Ramincall is on Twitter, go DM him and ask him his theory. It's a really good one. <laughs> I'm going to throw one out there that will be uh, uh, Delroy Hansen or Del, Del, Delroy Delroy Hansen. Oh, snap. <laughs> that, that might be the worst possible option <laughs> uh, or up there at least. What if it's, what if it's one of the, I don't know the names. What if it's one of those people who wanted to bring MLS to Detroit or, oh yeah. I Googled Paul Edgerly the other day. <laughs> There's a blast from the past, right? Like Robert, some Robert Kraft crony going over there. I mean, for all the trust they're placing in in the ownership, to not—I mean, some one of them has to know who the 35 percent owner is. But but it's to put that out. That seems really odd to put that out there of trust ownership when you have a new 35 percent owner of your club that nobody knows about. No permission asked either. I bet that meeting was ugly. They didn't. They didn't stream that or anything, I was right? hoping to find somebody tweet about it, but nobody did. Uh, yeah, I figured someone would like pirate a recording. It was probably awful. Um, I mean, is it even an owner's meeting when you right. come to your decision and then, and then have a meeting? But I mean, it had to have been a gripe fest, right? It had to be a bunch of really angry people who thought they had a say and no longer do. It's sad. <sighs> I mean, it's like, yeah, it's the first like uber capitalist step in the U in the U USLC. Yeah. And maybe, I, maybe I was entirely naive. I don't know. Maybe I'm the only one who thought that, that when they sold shares and had fans own some of the club, I thought it was really awesome. I was tempted. Oh, it's to. great. Uh, but, I, but I, maybe I was the only one who thought that meant more than what it actually did. And maybe. it's cool to have an ownership in 10% and break a tie. But when you say break a tie and then we have full faiths, so we never expect that to happen. Like, what value is that? I mean, what does that really mean? Well, when Chattanooga did it too, right? And when you looked at like their old ownership and then like what they were offering to the people that bought a, a, a stake, I was like, it's it's so cool, right? But I, I don't really see much and there are different power coming from it. And there are different know? platforms that clubs have used to do that in different leagues. Like I yeah. think the the way that Detroit did it is not the way... I don't think it's the way that Chattanooga did it, but oh, okay. I, I know there's other ways to do it. And I don't know. Yeah. Well, and I think not to go in the weeds, but I think Barcelona, which is fan owned also kind of follows the, they vote on the president, which so it's a little bit different in that the fans vote on the president who makes the decisions, but Detroit city owners, I don't think had any input that was another comment that I saw was that they chose, they being um, analogous for the fans, chose, this was coming from a Detroit City supporter on Twitter, admittedly, but they chose not to place a member on the board to represent the 10%. That's an odd choice. Because they have full trust in the ownership of the 90, mm. is the way it was. Lessons, I suppose. Well, we'll see how that full trust goes. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but it can get cloudy. And I think this is the, this is the pivot to St. Louis. It, it can right? get cloudy and dark. And sometimes you feel like you're in a cave. 
<laughs> no, I wasn't going to bring that one up. You were going to go I directly there. Too much time. I do think everyone should look up the cave systems uh, sort of thing. And uh, there's a cave that exists, a spring below St. Louis City Stadium, that is part of the cave structure that exists between or uh, below St. Uh, the city of St. Louis. And actually, the state of Missouri has over six thousand caves. We're the cave state. Breweries have a huge history. Yeah, it's a huge thing. It is. It's and, and, super cool. And I think we can do it better justice, actually. I was saying yeah. we need to find some random pirate spelunkers. And we need to do a to show them. from the that Lemp cave. You're right. I think we could pull that <laughs> off, actually. I know people have like lived there or no, there were businesses you could rent it or something. I knew some friends that were in there anyway. Yeah. And they would have, yeah, they, they brewed down there. They would have like movie nights down there. There's like concerts. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. what I was thinking of. Yeah. So uh, we should try that for sure. Um, but no, where I was going with that was that, um, it can get cloudy in that like supporters groups can like stray. Right. It, I think the Luligans, in my opinion, there were like some like weird moments in history, right? With the Luligans. And eventually every single time they'd be brought back to what was important. Right. And it's just like the people that come, it's like a supporter group is like a support group. It's like a lot of friends and people that love to talk about the same sort of things. They care for each other. My favorite experience was the very first game I went to. I didn't bring my son a coat and it was on the berm and it was windy as hell and he was freezing and someone came and gave a coat to my son. Right. And that's just like so typical of the Luligans and that's the good stuff. Right. And so like they've had all these practice years to kind of do some silly things, but for the most part they get it right. And I, I really respect the Luligans. I think especially the last, you know, three, four or five years, have been so solid from them and um, from you, you guys are part of Luligans and um, we're just so lucky that they've kind of kept that, that Northern North star correct, right. The whole time they never strayed into this NGS bullshit. Um, even though it is tempting, right. It is tempting to kind of get snobby with soccer and, and kind of be the cool kid in class and, and say that everyone else who doesn't agree with you is, is wrong and bully people about it. You know, it, it's just ugly. And again, we're lucky to have St. Louis to kind of lead us into the St. Louis city SC, uh, world and, and, uh, the things they ask for, the things they push for, are I almost always things that I'm hoping that the club does. So props to them. And hopefully we keep moving in that direction. Any other comments before we move on? Awesome. Jake. I'm sorry. We have, we've been so nerdy today. It's been ridiculous, but I do want to hear from you. You've probably been to more games than all of us. Maybe not, but what do you see? What have, what have you seen in the club and in the games you've attended so far? Uh, probably the opposite. I've been to, this is going to make me sound terrible. <laughs> not from here. Okay. Um, the new kid kind of, uh, I've been to like two St. Louis city or St. Louis FC games. Um, when I first moved to St. Louis 2016, I think Perky was the coach. And, uh, I just showed up to a game. I moved to St. Louis time to be alive. Yeah. It was a great game. It wasn't. (laughs) Um, and, uh, it was before like my wife and I were married, so she didn't live here at the time. And I was just like bored, had nothing to do. Oh, cool. I'm going to watch St. Louis FC. Um, and honestly, I just like floated around the stadium. This kind of ties in, this will tie into your Luligan stuff that you were just talking about. Not that game specifically. Cause I was just floating around watching the game from everywhere. I was really blown away by just like, I remember I told my, my brother who played, uh, he played D1 college soccer. 
um, told him I was going to the game. And he was just like, oh, St. Louis is such a great soccer city, like with SLU. And he even told me about St. Louis FC. And he's like, so many people go out the games. That's one, like I showed up and uh, I think I actually, I showed up and I wasn't, I didn't have a ticket yet because I was just like, I'll buy one there. And then I showed up a little bit late and the guy, ticket guy, just like gave me a ticket. So I was like, mm-hmm. this is a cool start. Um, free ticket, walk in. And then I was like just blown away by how many people were there because um, I didn't know what to expect and see the the corner like raging. And then the whole night I just like walked around, kind of floating around. I think they lost like 4-1, not a great game. Um, but I bought two shirts and I left and I didn't make it to another game for a while um, and until my like my little brother came out and visited and I think we went because they were playing at the time Sport Park Rangers and growing up in Kansas we grew up like sporting KC fans mm-hmm. so we honestly showed up in like sporting gear and then like hung out with the uh, sporting fans Sport Park fans I guess so other bad example of me going to a St. <laughs> Louis FC game and, and being a fan and then uh, I, I never really got to make it the games just with my work schedule it didn't work out so I was kind of like a, a fan from afar until uh, I mean, obviously, I found out we we're getting an MLS team, and I was really excited. I remember the first go around when it was like STL for or MLS for STL or STL or MLS to STL. Yeah, and then there was the vote, and I remember the vote. I think for the stadium, like voted no, and I had like tweeted something, and a guy from back in Kansas was like, "Oh, you're just gonna dump Sporting and start rooting for St. Louis." <laughs> was like, one, I don't know. Two, why can't I just go want to watch professional soccer wherever I live? Seems like a cool thing to do. Um, and I think I tweeted a few months ago too, like I was watching a sporting game and I was like, said something about like, yo, I'm really excited for St. Louis city, but it might be when sporting's in, in town, it might be hard to, I don't know. I'll see how I, how I go, but honestly, I'll probably be in there wearing my pink shirt and like raging and like trying to tear down sporting. So <laughs> I'll be a full on convert, but con- convert, I said, I, I work in radio and I'm terrible at talking. <laughs> so I'm being exposed. Um, but I mean, over the, the years, I, like I said, I've been a, FC fan from afar. And then last year when they were making the playoff run and it was the last season, I was like in thanks to ESPN plus I was like watching all the playoff games. Yeah. Uh, my wife and I went to nine mile garden to watch, like they were doing a movie night out there and St. Louis FC was also playing. So I'm like watching on my phone and then like also trying to tweet about the game at the same time. So like swipe in the screen gets real small or just like goes away completely sometimes. And then you get back after you tweet something and you miss like five things, but Oh, I know that struggle. It's real. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. I'm glad. So, but I mean, if you want to tie it all together, me being a, a fake, a fake fan for the last five years since being in St. Louis and not showing up to anything, uh, because of the Luligans and finding like the podcasts and, and everything and going out to a random Luligan event. Like I think the first meet the Luligans event, like I walked up and I met everyone. Like I met you guys through Twitter and I walked in there and Stu gave me a beer and I just kicked it with him and like the, this is silly guys. And everyone was very welcoming. It took me a while to get in, like to, I guess, branch out and be like, all right, let me become a fan and like meet people. It took, took me five years to get in there, but like very quickly I met everyone. And now I'm like, well, I missed out on a lot of years. I did move away for a year and a half in some of that period. But, uh, yeah, no, it's been good. And I'm very excited to just, I don't know, for St. Louis city, obviously, and, uh, just the future. And it's, uh, we talked about earlier about how the progression, like the perfect timing with the LDL and, uh, everything like, and we got the Academy this year. And then the, I keep telling like random people I'm running into, I went to a blues game. This is off topic. I'm sorry. It's kind of, it's, it's about St. Louis city, but like, 
I was I went to the Blues game on Thursday night. It was the first one a couple weeks ago. First game they lost, so that was my fault. I showed up and they lost. Ouch. <laughs> my bad, guys. I ruined I ruined the streak. Um, but I was like taking a lift, and the guy we were talking about hockey, and then he's like, "Oh yeah, and aren't we getting a, a soccer team or something?" I was like, "Yeah, well, actually, if you want to go watch the academy, they're playing now. Next year, we're gonna get our like amateur amateur team or whatever, and then then we'll have our team. So it's like it's a the perfect." build up to what we're getting so did his eyes glaze over that's every time i say something like that they're like uh sure yeah he, i mean he seemed he he asked about soccer Good. and uh, i mean i was with a buddy who's like a, his fault he big, prompted he, you that's no, true asked, and like i was with a buddy who's a big like hockey guy so they were talking about hockey and then once he asked about soccer my buddy's like oh well this is the guy to ask and i was like here let me tell you everything <laughs> um so and I, i've been trying to tell a lot of people and i mean on the radio my job isn't i'm not a sports guy i don't have a lot of time to talk i talk for like 10 to 20 seconds in between yeah um songs usually like taylor swift and justin bieber and stuff but it's like i like to get the community involved and my goal on the radio is to be like hey if i can tell you about some cool event going on that's what i want to do i want to be like your friend who knows about the cool stuff and so i've been like trying to hype up slowly hype up like st louis city it's like i gotta ease it in because like I talk about the blues. I talk about the cards, mm -hmm. but I can't just go on a, like a minute long rant about, so I'm like slowly easing in like, Oh, I'm a soccer fan. I got to say, Oh, and then I yell in the studio cause I'm watching a soccer game. And has like, to oh, feel by the way. has to be organic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm easing people in trying to get the, the word out there a little bit. That's like, great. Uh, also there's a little bit difference on uh, like how much you can hype like the blues playing versus, you know, a U16 team where it's a little bit like, it's Plus, it's very easy to be like oh yeah the blues lost tonight dang but i'm like hey do you care about teenagers playing soccer let's go watch them this weekend <laughs> but sometimes like those teenagers might be listening right now so i like to shout that's them funny out. Them might. Out, so i don't know probably not they're on spotify <laughs> hey. ouch <laughs> your job is meaningless is what i'm trying to say <laughs> let me just back just popped right out of my mouth i apologize for that um <laughs> But think, no, but you went to know. an academy game recently. That's what I, I wanted to hear I, about. I, yeah, I, I went to the first one because, like I said, I, I like I'm very hyped. I'm very excited. Just, even though I've been a poser, I'm a big soccer fan. Yeah. Um, and I just want to be as involved as possible, and like I want to go watch soccer because that's what I want to do anyway. So, I mean, that, literally everybody has their own. Like, how did you come to love St. Louis soccer? And some people are like, I was born and raised here. I've never known anything different. I lived in Kansas City for a few years. I was I lived in Kansas City when the the Wizards became Sporting KC. So that was my team for a while. Yeah. And obviously, you know, it, the progressions change, and you get there. So everybody's got their own little journey. I think the the funny thing is, I think I first saw you at. A Purina. Purina, yeah, yeah. When I did the Purina. So and yeah, so cool. the Purina announcement day, um, the the team had the Mutt Cuts van, mm -hmm. and Seabeck and Lutz and everybody was in the van, and everybody had their fun pictures, and they took the van, the Mutt Cuts van, throughout the area. Um, they went to shelters, they went to adoption centers. Um, the one that we went to was. What was that, up two seventy page like yes two seventy I don't remember 270. where it was but I don't remember the name of the the location but it was an adoption center or a veterinary site and I showed up with my wife and uh, we were just we, we wanted to be able to just like get get the swag bag get a picture with the Mutt Cuts van and we saw like this huge line of people saw you and your dog mm -hmm. Stu was there Cute dog. it's adorable dog I was like it's Jake I know Jake from Twitter I know I was like oh I think well and we all had masks on at the time because yeah. COVID was way worse too so I was like I think that's Matt from Twitter uh, 
and was like, hopefully he sees my dog and yep. he knows who that is. <laughs> Cause I think mo- more people know me like from my dog. Cause she's runs my social media. Also <laughs> with the Purina thing, I'm a little, uh, I'm a little offended and a little hurt because pre St. Louis city SC when it was MLS for the Lou, but they, did they announce loots before or after the name? Like before, the before, name? before. Okay. That's what I thought. Cause I thought it was pre Am I, I think wrong? they announced it right after. Right after? Okay. Right well, after. Right around the same time. Oh, really? I had posted I a... I at all of those, no? Bet, Phil. No, no way. <laughs> I lose every bet. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I feel so uh, weird no, saying good. it like that. So like, I'm I, too old to say that. <laughs> I mean, I have like... A, my dog has her own few soccer balls and back to Aussie football. She loves Aussie football too. But like if I kick around a ball, she's going to go grab it and like bring it back to me and like literally just like kicks it around. I don't know how she learned to kind of kick it, but she does. Um... And I posted a video on Twitter and I just like kicked it. And she literally like, I kicked it like to the side and she ran like eight feet while it's flying through the air and like stopped it. And I had like tagged city and loots. I said, found your keeper. And he like retweet here, like quoted it and like made a comment and be like, Oh yeah, she, pretty sweet skills. I don't know about her distribute distribution or whatever. And then I posted <laughs> oh, another yeah, video of her like dribbling it. And it had like, had like 6,000 views or something. And then like St. Louis city reposted it and everyone's commenting on now. Awesome. Margo is, she's the best dog ever. Um, and I was like, yes, she's getting out there. And then when they did the Purina launch and I see all these dogs running around with scarves and gears and chasing soccer balls. I was like, Margo was the first dog. I haven't had a chance to rain. Where's the respect? It's it's all coming out, but where's the respect? If there's any dog, but anyways, we did show up and we got our we got our bandana and our scarf and everything. So she's happy now. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm just I just wish she if, would if they don't use her in whatever dog park little field thing they're gonna have in that East Plaza when they open it, then it's a travesty. Yeah, a little at a time. Does he still drive that Audi, the pink Audi? Do you think? No, they had to give that back. I had a feeling. Um, maybe. I oh think yeah, they give him back. <laughs> Those, those were alone. <laughs> uh, I think your dog needs an agent. I think that's the problem here. You need someone looking out for her interests. I mean, I thought she would just like blow up on Twitter and then people, the fame will, come, come. people will come to me, but I, I stopped. That was like the one video <laughs> that I tagged them in. See, I had the th- same thought with my kids. Like, I'm sure they're adorable. I post videos. Somebody's going to come to me. It just doesn't work. <laughs> Too lazy. I need to put in more work, I guess. But. <laughs> Well, Jake, uh, I'm really glad you were able to make it today and in the future. I think uh, things are going to be pretty good here going forward. I think what it's amazing that we've done a show within two weeks of the previous show. So I'm already, there's progress here. Yeah. Yeah, but I miss Santi. I know, me too. Santiago's gone. Santi, come back. We miss him in our hearts and our minds and also physically because he's not here. I wanted to repeat that just for my own uh, entertainment. There's a chair that sits empty. <laughs> yeah, there, I don't want people to think I'm coming in and replace anyone. Also, you're like, this guy came in and didn't say anything the whole time. I'm also like over here trying to like, I'm running a little board, so I'm trying to be. Yeah, should you a little, a little board. You should take a picture of this board. And it is little. 
The box that came in is bigger. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> you can't roll it in with a giant suitcase. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 like you open it up and there's nuclear codes. That's <laughs> studio in a box. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening. That's today's show. Um, we fit in De- uh, Detroit City, and we're still under an hour and a half. So I think we've done well here here today. Uh, hopefully, you'll hear from us again in another two weeks at the worst. Thanks for listening. Bye bye.